Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Here's the thing. I can't beat up on the Israelites because I can find myself doing the exact same thing. I don't walk outside and see manna. I walk outside and I see dew everywhere because we live in Galveston and I have guinea fowls running all over the place, knocking over my trash can and all that good stuff. And that's fine. I don't need to wake up to man every single day. I get to wake up to this book every single day, which is like bread. How often do you complain about something going on in your life? In today's message, Pastor James tells us that complaining disregards everything that God has already given us. He's given you the Bible to read and meditate on, and if you choose to, he promises that reading it will fill your life with his will for you. When you trust God to guide your life, your life will be filled with the joys that only he can give you. God wants to be your guide so that he can bring you to not a good life, but a great one. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers chapter 11 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. There's a monk who joined a monastery and took a vow of silence, okay? After the first 10 years, his supervisor called him in and asked him, do you have anything to say? Okay, so 10 years, the monk replies, food bad, okay? Another 10 years, the monk is given another opportunity by a supervisor, do you have anything you wanna say? Bed, hard. Another 10 years pass, supervisor's like, do you have anything else you wanna say? And the monk replies, I quit. <laughs> to which the supervisor said, I figured that. Uh, you've done nothing but complain since you've been here. <laughs> right? So it's, uh, it, it's one of those tendencies, right, of ours. It's like a natural thing for us to complain. Um, right? I mean, it's, you don't have to teach anybody how to complain. Okay? It's like sin. I, I, we never had to instruct our kids on how to be sinners. Okay? They, they knew it instinctually. Like, they weren't born sinless. They were born, as the Word of God says, sinners. Just give them time, and they'll show you how good they are at it, okay? They don't even need any practice. They don't need you to coach them. They're going to be really good sinners. The other thing that we learn is give people time, and we become really good complainers, really good complainers. And, and that's what we see with the, the book of Numbers, chapter 11. We have the children of Israel, first 10 chapters, all good stuff. We've got the plans, we've got the procedure, we're getting ready to go on a, a road trip to our promised land, a land flowing of milk and honey, a land of abundance, a land of, I mean, it's our place, speaking as if I'm an Israelite, right? Put myself in the story. And it doesn't take too long. I mean, you're not even, you're not even five miles down the road on this road trip. And the people from the back seat are already complaining, okay, <laughs> right? You've been there. You've experienced this before. Maybe you were that person to your parents or parents on those road trips. And maybe you have kids and it's just like, wait, we just left. We just left, okay? Is this how it's going to be the whole time? Oh, this is how it's going to be the whole time. This will be a test of your endurance and your patience. 
And for poor Moses, I mean, like he's, you know, they're like a year, almost coming up to like two years into this thing. And he's already like, God, just kill me. Like, just kill me. <laughs> like, that's, that's how bad it is for Moses, okay? And the Lord's like, oh, buddy, we just started. We just started. Look at verse 1. It says, soon, immediately, like right away, okay? Soon the people began to complain about their hardship. Here's the key. And the Lord heard everything they said. Ooh. <laughs> so soon, like, like just chapter 10, they left Sinai. Like they just left. And it says, soon, they are complaining about their hardship. What hardship? What, what hardship? Are we there yet? No, you're, you're not there yet, but you're not where you once were. You're out of Egypt. Like that's the hardship. Where you're at right now is not hardship. That's not, what, what are you complaining about? They've been, like I said, they've been on the road for about two years now, give or take. And there's some things that have been festering within their hearts, okay? And as they allow these things to fester within the heart, I mean, it, it begins to come out because what's in the heart eventually works its way out through your mouth. That's how it always works. And that's usually how you can tell how somebody is or who they truly are. Just give them time. Time is your best friend. That's what I say all the time. Time is your best friend. People will reveal themselves. The more they talk, the more they'll reveal themselves. Okay? So let them do all the talking. You do all the listening. You'll be like, eventually, what, what's in here works its way out of this. Okay? And that's what we have. And so they're complaining about the hardship. And it says, and the Lord have heard everything that they said. So I, I jotted down a little note for myself. The Lord hears my prayers, my praise, and my complaints. Two of the three, he's happy about. One of those he does not like. <laughs> and yeah, I don't have to, you, you can guess, right? It's the complaints. It says, the Lord's anger blazed against them, and he sent a fire to rage among them, and he destroyed some of the people on the outskirts of the camp. Then the people screamed to Moses for help, and when he prayed to the Lord, the fire stopped. So you have these individuals, they're complaining, they're murmuring, they're grumbling. They are not satisfied with where they're at and what the Lord is presently and actively doing within their lives. And so they begin to complain. And so God sends fire to consume some of them, not all of them, but some of them. Be careful who you surround yourself with. Okay? Don't keep company with complainers. Because you don't know when that fire's, that, you don't know how close that fire is going to get to you. Okay? Don't keep company with complainers. If you find yourself in the presence of somebody who does nothing but complain all the time, I would advise you to distance yourself, put up some boundaries within that relationship. Okay? Inject some positivity into the conversation. But here's the deal. They're just going to probably keep on complaining. And it's going to bring you down. It's going to wear you down. And you have to put up those boundaries. I can't. No, no. Let's. And you could try to flip the script on them. Well, what's positive? What's positive? What's positive? Because, I mean, we all complain. That's the thing. 
And, and I find myself going into those, those roads sometimes as well. And, and it helps for me to have people in my life who say, okay, but what good is happening? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. But there are some people, all they do is complain, complain, complain. It's just negative. Is everything negative? No, it's not. There's good stuff. But you have to distance yourself because some of you can tolerate it better than others. For some of you, you get worn down, and it's exhausting, right? You would be wise to set up boundaries, okay? These people were complaining. The Lord sent fire. The people cried out to Moses. Like, I mean, they could have cried out to God. They could have, but they cried out to Moses, and they're like, Moses, please help us, okay? Moses prayed for them. The fire stopped, verse 3. After that, the area was known as uh, Tibera, which means the place of burning, because the fire from the Lord had burned among them there, right? So in your 90s, mid to late 90s, early 2000s, you know, youth groups want to name themselves all sorts of cool things, right? Um, And a lot of them had to do with fire imagery. Um, You might want to be cautious on what kind of fire imagery you were wanting to proclaim for yourself, right? Because being on fire for the Lord can mean two different things. (laughs) One of it could be, yeah, yeah, you're sold out for him. The other one could be, well, you're just a complainer. Right? So just be cautious in that. But this had such an impact on the camp that they're like designated that place as like, this is the fireplace. Like, this is where it happened. Let's, let's, let's learn from their complaining and let's never do it again. And let's move on with our lives. That would be nice. But it's not even but moments later that more complaining breaks out. Verse 4. Uh, then the foreign rabble, I like that, New Living Translation, foreign rabble. We were like, what is that? Well, in the Exodus, there were some non-Jewish, non-Israelite people who came on the journey, which is fine. God welcomed that, and he still welcomes that. Praise God for that. However, there are some within that mix, it's a mixed multitude is what your Bible may say, who were traveling with the Israelites, begin to crave the good things of Egypt, And the people of Israel also began to complain, okay? So you have one group that is craving, and the word there could be like a lusting, not in a bad sense, but like strong desire for the food from Egypt. And that works its way into the company of the Israelites. And they're thinking like, yeah, you know what? It was pretty good back then, wasn't it? Right? And you're like, no, no, you were slaves. No, like, I don't, care. I don't care what food you ate there. You were slaves. Like, the ball's already been set in motion by these complainers. And, and it's like a cancer. It just spreads. And here you have the foreign rabble, this mixed multitude, who is not only just a mixed multitude physically, but I believe spiritually as well. I believe a lot of these people who are on the journey weren't all believers, okay? I believe in churches... You have wheat and tares. Unsaved people go to church? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get rid of them. Jesus said no. He's like, no, just let them all grow up together. He's like, I'll separate them out. Don't worry about it. I'm like, okay. I think you have that kind of that thing happening here with this mixed multitude. So they're craving that the good things of Egypt and the people of Israel also begin to complain. Oh, for some meat. That's what mine says. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. <laughs> we remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. Oh, nothing was free in Egypt, by the way. Nothing was free. Your food was not free. You were slaves. 
your food was not free, okay? Oh, no, 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 but it was, it was the best fish ever. Yeah, you got good fish waiting for you in Israel, okay? Same area, Mediterranean, you know, sea. It's a, that flows into the Nile River and all that good stuff. Yeah, it's on the banks of Israel as well. Same fish, good fish there too. Really good fish, delicious fish there. I've had fish multiple times in Israel. It's amazing, absolutely amazing. I don't need to go to Egypt to eat it. I can go to Israel, right? But they're like, the fish, it was amazing. Long John Silvers, right? Like, we loved it. Is that still open anymore? Long John Silvers? Does anybody? No? Yeah. <laughs> we remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt, and we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted. But now, our appetites are gone. Doesn't this sound dramatic? Our appetites are gone. You're like, what? All we ever see is this manna. Right? So here's, now we're getting to the heart of it. Okay? So on their journey from Egypt, you have this dilemma. How are you going to feed a million plus people? I mean, you can brought animals, but there's not enough animals to sustain that, the journey. Although it probably would have been if it was two weeks, like it was maybe originally intended to be, but for 40 years. So God, in his abundant grace, causes a miraculous food to appear on the ground. And it's called, well, they didn't know what to call it. So they called it manna. And it was, it's like frosted flakes, like all over the ground. And they would take it and grind it up. And it's, you know, it's going to tell us exactly what they would do. But they had a miracle every single day, every single day. This is not natural. Manna is not natural. It's supernatural. Every day they woke up to the supernatural. Every single day. And now they're like, oh, I hate this stuff. Oh, manna again? <laughs> right? You're like, yeah, manna again. Yeah, because it's a miracle. It's amazing. Yeah, but in Egypt we had fish. Like, okay, you'll have fish again. In two weeks, if you stay obedient. But we had leeks and cucumbers and melons and like, yeah, okay. But the promised land flowing with milk and honey, meaning an abundance of good stuff. We're about to see in like a couple of chapters, these spies go and check out the promised land and they bring back produce from the promised land that Egypt's got nothing on. You're like, oh, just a fish and, you know, but this manna, ugh, manna. Look, verse 7, the manna looked like small coriander seeds and it was pale yellow like gum resin. The people would go out and gather it from the ground. They made flour by grinding it with hand mills or pounding it in mortars. Then they boiled it in a pot and made it into flat cakes. These cakes tasted like pastries baked with olive oil. I underline that because I love pastries. I'm thinking like, this is the best thing ever. This is the best thing ever. You get heavenly donuts every single day. And it's not going to have any effect on your health at all. This is like keto. Like, this is like sending your body into ketosis, like in like hyperdrive, right? Like it's burning all the bad stuff out of your body. It's a miracle food. In the manna, it would supply everything physically, nourishment-wise, that they could possibly need. 
in one food substance that God miraculously provided for them each and every day. And now I get it. After like two years of eating the same thing, you might be like, oh man, do we have any other, like, how can we spice this thing up, right? Like, is somebody writing a recipe book on a hundred so different ways to, you know, cook manna? I, you know, I don't know, but what I do know, it was perfectly what they needed. Perfectly what they needed. And all they did was complain about the superfood. So here's the thing. I can't beat up on the Israelites because I can find myself doing the exact same thing. I don't walk outside and see manna. I walk outside and I see dew everywhere because we live in Galveston. And I have guinea fowls running all over the place, knocking over my trash can and all that good stuff. And that's fine. I don't need to wake up to manna every single day. I get to wake up to this book every single day, which is like bread, heavenly bread, miracle substance right here, this book. And if I'm not cautious, I will find myself complaining about certain parts of the scriptures. Oh, not that book again. I just read through that. Oh, now I got to go through that one again, right? Like that's my heart. May not be you. But I'll be honest, there are times if I'm not keeping myself in check, I will complain about the manna that God has provided for me each and every single day. And I love this book. I have not come across any book that has changed my life in a way that this thing has. This is miracle bread from God. And every single day, we can wake up to it and open it up. And I pray that my heart, your heart, that we are enjoying what God has provided for us each and every day. Even if it may be portions of scriptures that are just sometimes tougher to digest. But it's like, this is a miracle. I mean, it's a miracle that we even have this book. Throughout history, people have been trying to, actively trying to destroy this book. And God has preserved it. And it's amazing. I have, to, I have to keep that in check. I have to keep that in check for myself, okay? Because I can get on these guys complaining about manna, and I'm like, holy cow, that's a miracle. You woke up to a miracle every day. James, you're waking up to a miracle every day too. That's not just my wife. Ooh, yeah, no, that was a good like. She was her birthday this week, so I got to... And Valentine's Day. That's a val- I used to make that into a Valentine's card. Um, anyways, wake up to a miracle every day. Um, So anyways, moving on. So these guys are complaining about this. And it it tasted like pastries baked in olive oil. Verse 9, the manna came down on the camp with the dew during the night. Verse 10, Moses heard all the family standing in the doorways of their tents whining. Don't you love that? Oh, it's nothing better than a whiner. And the Lord became extremely angry. Moses was also aggravated. And Moses said to the Lord, why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Right? So Moses is walking through the camp and at every single door, so to speak, of people's tents, all they're doing is whining and complaining to him, essentially. Like, Moses, what's on the menu tomorrow? Oh, wait, let me guess. Manna, right? And he's like, oh, seriously? Like, how many of you are there? Like a million? Do I have to hear this joke all the time? And he's just done. Moses is done. He is a leader who can take no more. 
Why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arm like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me saying, give us meat to eat. That's like the chant he was hearing as he's walking through the, the village. Give us meat, give us meat, right? And he's like, oh, stop. Wait, they like, stop it. <laughs> hey, side note, when did God tell them they couldn't go hunting for food? He never did. He never did. Sounds like they got really comfortable for being handed stuff all the time. He never said they couldn't go hunt for, for meat. You want meat? Go find it. You're in the wilderness, there's the animals out there. You, from chapter 10, you, you reserve that one dude, Moses' brother-in-law, who knows the wilderness like nobody else. He probably could have taken you on some hunting trips. You could have found meat if you really wanted it. But no, 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 oh, no, Moses, you're in charge. You get us meat. You get us meat. If I was Moses, I'd be like, oh, go get your own meat, all right? I'm going to eat some manna. And I'm going to enjoy it, <laughs> right? But they're, they're like, give us meat, and, and, and it's just too much. It's the breaking point for Moses, which is actually a good thing in one sense. We, we learned this back in, in Exodus concerning Moses and his father-in-law, and, and Moses is dealing with all the people. Like, it's just too much for him to bear, he, trying to hear all the cases and everything. And his father-in-law gave him some, some instruction of like, you need to raise up leaders, Right? And you need to have guys over, you know, guys who can oversee a thousand, guys who can oversee a hundred, and some who can oversee 50 and 10, right? Like you need to train up and raise up some guys because Moses, you can't do this all by yourself. So we don't know where that's at in this story, but we know that Moses has he's reached his breaking point. Verse 14, it says, I can't carry all these people by myself. I can't carry them all by myself. The load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. Now Moses sounds a little dramatic, okay? Like Moses, okay, I know they're annoying, but it's not that bad, okay? But he's just like, I can't handle this. Like, I can't bear the weight of this. I mean, he, you're talking about a million plus people. I can't even imagine what that's like. Like that, I mean, there's, there's pastors who pastor churches of like a thousand. You're like... How do you manage? Well, they can't do it on their own. He's like, I didn't call you to do it on your own. There's other people. So, you know, raise up people to oversee this many, this many, this many. So Moses hits his breaking point, and it really was the children of Israel just the whining about God's provision. And that's what they're doing. They're whining about God providing for them. That's, that's ultimately what they're doing. God is providing for their needs, but it's not enough. No, we want meat. Okay, well, go find meat. No, 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 we want you to give us meat. Okay, God is gracious. He does not set another fire in the camp. He's going to provide them meat. And sometimes the Lord disciplines us by giving us what we want. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. How often is the voice of God ignored? 
You tune him out because you think you know what he's going to say to you? Or maybe it just comes straight from a disobedient heart, like that of the Israelites, after being rescued from Pharaoh's rule. Getting out of Egypt wasn't enough for them, because, get this, they complained. They were disgruntled because God's way of doing things wasn't their way of doing things. Not only that, but they did what they wanted. Listen to how God responds to the Israelites' behavior in Numbers 4.22 and 23. Because all these men have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. That's pretty heavy, but it comes from a loving father who's teaching his children to obey him without question. What is your next step of obedience? If you enjoyed today's message from Numbers and want to hear more, then go to breadforthebroken.com where you'll hear more of God's truth and what it means for your life. That website, once again, is breadforthebroken.com. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. Would you consider donating some of your resources to support this ministry? All you have to do is visit us at breadforthebroken.com to learn how. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. Make sure you join us again next time here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, babe.